defense for now in, in week 13 against the Rams. The overall numbers, if we start on a macro level, Griff, they're, they were okay. Like they, they, they started shaky. They made a few tweaks. They then gave some stuff they didn't need to give up. But again, it's that kind of variance going on. McVeigh also called a great game. And then they finished well. But I think overall, after watching the tape at least, and I want to hear about those numbers, but after watching the tape at least, I can kind of see it coming together. Yeah, uh, um, agreed. Um, I mean, you know, the there's the the thing with, oh, Seahawks can't defend backup quarterbacks. Um, I mean, w- w- Wolford... Wolford statistically anyway looked as bad as statistically was as bad as he is. So, um, I mean, he had, he had negative EPA. In fact, um, now Wolford is not Stafford, even though Stafford's having a horrible year as well, um, because of injuries primarily and the Rams are in disarray all over the place. He's having a horrible year, um, physically as well, like spinal contusion. That sounds horrid. Yeah. It's not fun. Uh, they, Seahawks defense held the Rams below their averages even for their, you know, uh, passing efficiency by EPA per dropback. So, I mean, on a, on a relative scale, that is, that's, I think that's a good thing. Um, the Rams game plan was almost all play action. They had very little early down, like pure dropback passes. Um, and then of course that meant there were a lot of runs too. Um, so they, there were some structural issues on play action, but they had a with some adaptions throughout the game that we'll really dive into. They they did handle a lot of the concepts like conceptually, like they were structured for it. Um, and um, the run defense defending the Rams running backs um, mm-hmm. in their base runs was really stout. I mean, it was it was really stout, and that was without a lot of like TFLs, like getting to the backfield. It was just everyone winning their blocks. Um, and for the most part, the collective run fit being sound against stuff that was really difficult to defend, um, that the McVay threw out them. Now, what did hurt them, of course, were all the receiver runs, like the jet sweeps, the end of rounds, the reverses and stuff like that, that hurt them a lot. And that was more issues on the perimeter, just losing blocks out on the perimeter, like from the nickel or safety in the corners. Um, but, but for the most part, the stuff that happened in between the tackles, um, they were they were really sound. Um, so, Maddie, what did, what did you see that led to them being sound therein? Well, just to your point, you've you've put here, Griff. I tried to prompt you that way, but you've put they oh. had three point five yards per carry versus running backs, which, like, that's pretty good for the defense. They'd take that, I think. Yeah, and and negative EPA as well. Um, oh yes, can't forget. Because um, yard yards per carry can be tricky at times um i thought it was 3.3 yards per carry did i miss time i might be wrong maybe maybe you've mistyped imagine um but well so to to put it more in perspective their epa per rush versus running backs compared to like other teams for this week week 13 they have the 12th best run defense against running backs so nothing crazy but good but then their epa per rush against receivers which can be fluky i mean only 18 teams had a carry go to a receiver they were like the third worst so yeah there were seven carries that went for about 80 yards or something um to the receivers that were really poor um 
but then they had uh they had um however many carries it was go to the running backs uh for not very much so um but like outside zone inside zone which they do a little bit of not a lot a uh, duo and wine back um like they didn't go anywhere so that's 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 a good sign and the reason for that and we'll talk about it but um you know er, earlier on the season we talked about this four down or the four down spaced front the two four five nickel right mm. um in years past they call it like the tank front it's an over front and your nose tackle is like playing a two eyes like inside shade on the guard He's still the A-gap player, and they kind of have to play with like a heavy technique. It looks like almost like a two-gap technique, the way you engage the guard, the, um, the guards um, in the uh, in the actual blocking scheme. And they didn't look very good at that previously, but the main difference was that they were playing that paired with the too high coverage. It was difficult on the linebackers. They don't get to play fast. The uh, That means the combos stay on the defensive tackles longer because there's there's not an extra guy in the box. There's not one hat for every gap. This game was different that they played almost cover three, one high, almost the entire game, at least on early downs, pair with this front. And the whole box was moving a lot faster. That means that meant there were more one-on-ones for those defensive tackles, and they were just demolishing guys. Um uh one-on-one. Al Woods, Shelby Harris, those two guys had monster games. Puna was okay. Quentin Jefferson had a bounce back game. Um so those four guys, I mean, they were just winning their blocks, and the and the ends were able to be aggressive and fast, spiking in the gaps, um, like from the D gap into the C gap or the C gap into the B gap. And really, I mean, they just didn't give the Rams any life on the ground, which was important because they had a run-heavy game plan. Yeah. So like you said, they adjusted into that uh, 2 four, 5 look. This is how they started the game. So if you watch the screen uh let's try and get that a bit better like this there we go if i could somehow crop it so it was anyway that will have to do for now i will figure this out in due course but and we're, we're yes we're playing the tape how exciting so <clears throat> here you can see they're in this bare front so again that's where they have the five guys down at the line of scrimmage and i think this is a great example of why that was challenging on them because if we roll the play through, it made it hard for them to adjust to this kind of receiver motion because there's five guys down at the line of scrimmage. Now, this is actually a good run stop, and it was one of the few ones that they had. But with having five guys down at the line of scrimmage, you only have one, two, three guys off the ball. And that means, and and only like an odd number of adjusters. And so that means when they do all of this kind of motion and you're trying to rock back with it and stuff, you can't physically ask one of these guys down at the line of scrimmage <laughs> to set an edge and also play the motion. And that caused them issues. Now here, you can see this guy is going this way, and then they've got a guy pulling across going the other way as well, and they've got this run going this way, and it's a lot of stuff to process, and realistically, having just the three adjusters didn't do them that good. Now, on this run fit, they actually had a nice job going on here griff you got anything to add no i uh i agree um like like later we'll see um 
you know, all this under center pocket play action and, and boot stuff, I feel like also moving to four down, it keeps it simple for the edges to just kind of rush up field um, with they read pass. And that also kind of doubled. And that meant kind of getting a reroute on like say 18 right there, the, 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 the number two receiver in the um, formation, he can't release as fast. So that makes it easier for the second level to kind of leverage those routes as well. If it's like a delay flat or ends up, you know, whatever ends up being, you know, and of more vertical release. Um, so yeah, I, I think the adjustment just made it a little more flexible at the second level to account for the stuff on the perimeter. And it made it easier on the edges to crash the boot and stuff like that. Um, now I think big picture speaking though, the whole reason why bear the, is now the meta in the league and why Seattle has been a base bear team for like two and a half seasons now is because of zone runs and you are also wanting to stay better leveraged for the boot at the second level in the coverage. Um, so by then going back into this, you know, the idea of you're putting out one fire or robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak, you're putting back on the stress, the linebackers at the second level to leverage those crossing routes. Um, so, but ultimately oftentimes, especially on the boot where the quarterback is rolling out outside of the pocket, the linebackers just did a really good job of, um, of, of leveraging them and, and, and Kobe Bryant on a couple of them. Um, so, and predominantly um, Cody Barton. I mean, he, he just happened to find himself to be the backside hook on a lot of these. And that's the guy who is primarily responsible for finding the, the crosser, the crossing route on those play action floods. So, so really you're, you're, you're saying, okay, this only works if, if our linebackers can find the routes and uh, sure enough, they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important. So again, this is the two, four, five look. So technically an outside linebacker on the edge and an outside linebacker on the edge in Nuosu and Bruce Servin. Then you have the two interior defensive tackles who they're not too gapping, but they're playing pretty heavy uh, because they played a lot of middle field closed, as, as Drift said. So you can see Ryan Neal's coming down into the box here. They don't have to play as heavy, like because Seattle has the plus one in the box because they're, they're playing the cover three looks, but they're still playing kind of heavy. And so, it was big in this game, I think, that they had Al Woods and Brian Monet active. In the past, they've tried to get by with like a Miles Adams a type of playing nose. That's not really Adams' game, so it's strange that they've sort of liked him doing that. But in this game, uh, Seattle went for uh, you know the Woods and Monet rotation, which really got things going for them. Now, you can see, because there's only four guys down at the line of scrimmage, when they go middle field closed, that gives them rather than three off ball adjusters, it gives them four. And so that extra one here, when they do this motion across the field, it enables them to get the numbers where the, the ball is going. Now that will happen very fast, but if we go back to it and slow it down, we can see this receiver motions all the way across. And so the adjusters all can slide because they know Brooks, who was in the uh, the A gap, he can go into this B gap. Barton, who was in the, I think he was in the C gap, maybe he he can then go to the B gap, and Ryan Neal can get all the way across into this A gap. Then these guys know, oh, they're they're doing some motion back the other way. Well, 
I know that this guy's going to have my back. If I'm Cody Barton, I know Ryan Neal's going to have my back. So we can rock back with the motion and we can then fit in on the run the other way. And the kind of crisscross kind of weird looks, then all the uh, window dressing that Mavey was throwing at the guys, it didn't, it ended up like not working as well because Seattle had the extra adjuster. They were able to play it. You see Barton in the A gap. Again, the, the motion's going to happen first to our left as we look at it. Here comes the receiver. He goes from A gap to B gap. He gets Brooks out the box. Then, oh, this guy's coming. Cody sees that. He then goes back to his original gap. Neil had come across. He then goes back outside. And this is a great fit with Nawosu fast off the edge. This tight end has a really tough job because both these guys are in a bad position for him. He goes for Neil and uh, Neil then makes the play. So that adjustive thing w- was key for me. But um, like Griff said yeah. as well, the, the challenge of that was the play action stuff. 